It's good to see everybody this morning. You can turn to Acts chapter number three. And uh, I wanted to let y'all know if you didn't know. You know, by telling you guys, I stay accountable, just so you know. But uh, I went to jail last week again. You're going to have a hard time keeping me away, maybe. But uh, it just uh, the, the first week, was I talked to the chaplain and uh, heard his testimony. He'd been preaching for 50 years over in Galveston. And then last week, I talked to the assistant chaplain, and we went over the rules, you know, don't take anything from them, don't give anything to them except the gospel. And uh, I got a little tour, and I saw, you know, where you hold the services in a, in a little room just off the cell block. And uh, there's a, one thing that'll make you accountable. I'm starting to stutter. One thing that'll make you accountable is the fact that he said, he said, if you can't come regular or if you stop coming, you won't be able to come back. Because they got so many people that want to go there, that want to minister. So if somebody messes up, then, you know, they have somebody else that will step in. And it's a, it's a good opportunity. And I tell you, the thing that I'm looking forward to, one, one thing was it's been a help to me. It's been a help being around these men of God. You know, I, I didn't think about it before I went, but just being around these men, they, they go there every week or they go there every other week or whatnot and talking to these other preachers and, and getting some fellowship. We may not align on a lot of things, you know, but we align on Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his power to save souls. And uh, I just want to share that with you. It's, uh, I, I wanted y'all to share in it, be praying on Monday nights. So I go in the back this week with another preacher I said, now, I may have to be with the other preacher quite a while, you know. They said, oh, that's fine. He said, and if he tries to stick you back there on your own, remind him, hey, hey, I'm still in training. But, uh, man, I tell you what, it's going to be a challenge, you know. Because there's some guys in there, they know the Bible a lot better than most preachers. Some of them been in there, and I don't know if they're transferring to be in county or whatever and going to another place, but he said, you know, some of these guys have been in the system a long time, 20 years, and they've read the Bible cover to cover, and they're, they're ready to argue on different things. Don't argue with them. Just hold your questions till the end, they said. So, but I want to I want to show you something today, and then we're going to have some testimonies, and I just want to briefly show you something. We're here in Acts chapter number 3, and there's a lot going on in the book of Acts, as you know. Because Acts is the transitional book. Jesus Christ was on this earth. He walked with the disciples. He taught the disciples and he healed many people. And then there's this little period in between this and where we get to church. And I'm just kind of covering an overview. But we get to this one passage here and there's always a verse that'll catch you. And this verse has always caught me. And I just wanted to sit on it just a little bit. But Peter and John, look at verse number one, we'll read. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily 
at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. The man had his head down and his hand out. And he's just asking alms. How many times have people walked by him and turned their, turned their head on him? You know, I, I, I feel funny about doing it sometimes, but I leave it to the Lord when I give something to somebody. We were up in Waco. There was the Walmart, and there's somebody standing on it. And it's like, man, that's just universal, isn't it? They used to stand outside of church. Now they stand outside of Walmart. But he's there on the side of the road. He said, just trying to survive. I don't know what he's going to do. We had 10. We gave it to him. I'm not saying that to brag or anything. It ain't nothing to brag about. It's just kind of feel the Lord nudging. I give it to him. And what he does with it, that's between him and the Lord. And if he goes and gets fixed, that's between him and the Lord. And uh, But one thing I thought about, I need to have some gospel tracts on hand. Just hand it with that. All right, so I know I'm sidetracking. Y'all just stay with me on this. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, and Peter fastened his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, and this is the verse that I'm talking about. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, let's pray all that. Amen. So within this little verse, there's some things to think about. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now, Peter didn't have a lot of money. They were taking in money. Because everybody was given to each other. They were making distribution through the disciples and all of that. I mean, he could have had money. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And the first thing that I want to look at in this passage is our own poverty. Because when we come to Christ, we truly have nothing to offer. You ever been a part of a conversation? Maybe you're not as dense as me, but you ever been a part of a conversation where people are talking and you really just don't have anything to contribute? I've stood there and all listening to two men talk about programming language or listening to two men talk about, uh, you know, talking about pressures and temperatures. And uh, I try to follow along, but I just know to keep my mouth shut, you know. It's like, well, I boiled some water the other day. And you really have nothing to contribute. And when we talk about Christ, we really have nothing to contribute. When we, when we come before somebody... And we want to see a life changed. And here's this man on the side there. Here he is with his hand out. And we see a whole world with their hand out. We see a whole world that's suffering in sin. I tell you, it can overwhelm you when you get out there and you see the people falling. You see people falling for things. You see people, their lives falling apart. And you try to help them. And there's really nothing that you can offer them other than a hand here and there. But that $10 that we gave that man... That'll get him to a meal. That'll get him half a meal at McDonald's nowadays, right? So there's, there's not a lot you can offer sometimes. We're impoverished. We're not there with him every day. We're not there to walk somebody through something. We're not there to help them. 
And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But we are rich in our own poverty. The church at Smyrna in Revelation 2.8 says, And unto the church, the, the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These things say in the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. He said, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. But they were impoverished. They didn't have money. They didn't have wealth. But the Bible says that they were rich. And uh, there's things that you can do with money. Wealth can be a stumbling block is one thing that you can do with money. Over in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted up after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, you can do a lot with money. And this week, we're going to have to do some stuff with money. You know, you can pay rent, you can buy a house, you can do a lot of things with money. But when it comes to leading people to Christ, give me a minute here. The Laodicean church had a lot of money. They were able to do whatever they wanted. They were able to build onto the church. They were able to do whatever they wanted. But look what the Bible says about them. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes out. We can be rich in this world, but we can be poor in God's eyes. Jesus came before the I mean, uh, Peter came before the man. He said, silver and gold have I none. <coughs> when we come before Jesus, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. I'm just giving you some thoughts this morning. But then there's our possession. There's not only our poverty, but then there's our possession. Look over here in verse number six again. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. When you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have a possession that can change lives and change the world. I know my life was changed when I accepted Jesus Christ at 11 years old. I know that there were a lot of things that changed. He said, such as I have, give I thee. You may not have much to offer, but you need to possess what you offer. And that's a power that can't be bought. In Acts 8, 19, he says, uh, Simon the sorcerer, he said, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. People were getting saved, and they they just hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. Now, there's some doctrine in the—this is a transitional period. Different things are happening, but they were getting saved, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. Or they they knew about Jesus, but they hadn't received. Or they knew the baptism of John, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. And Peter lays his hand on them. They receive the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that. It's a transitional book. Y'all can see my mind's a little scattered this morning, right? But y'all hang with me here. Because Simon the sorcerer sees what's going on and he's already had, he's already had his thing going into town. And he, he was fooling people with his magic and he was able to make a lot of money with it. He sees what's going on. He sees God changing people's lives and he says, let me, let me give you some money. 
so that I too can lay hands on people and they'll receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter turns to him and says unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. We have a possession that can't be purchased with money. And we, our possession is a name that can't be co-opted. He said, Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Everything that we have is in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a name that can't be co-opted. Over in Acts chapter number 4, when, when Peter and John were put into prison and they were brought before the council, it says, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And they were, they were upset that this man had been healed. This man had been lame from his mother's womb. He'd never been able to walk, and everybody knew him. Everybody that walked into the temple knew him. And they see this, and they say, how did, how did you do this? Under whose name did you do this? By what power did you do this? Said then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you, and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom you raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. And this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. It's through the name of Jesus Christ. I bring up going to the jail. I, you think, how can you help me? Why do we have church? Why do we get together? We want to see lives change. And some churches say, well, we'll, we'll, we're going to have a charity. We'll give out. Well, we're small. It's not a lot we can give out. Silver and gold have we none. I mean, we struggle sometimes just to make a repair, right? But we do have a possession. We have Jesus Christ. And it's really the reason that we're here. It's not to make a name for ourselves, you know, and as I study God's word and I see, I talked to you this morning in Sunday school about God will not be used, a sermon I'm working on. And as you, as you look at how God works, it's when you put him first, it's when you obey him that other things happen. But the whole catch was that you couldn't expect all these other things to happen. You just followed the Lord and what he wanted. But when it comes to changing lives, like going to the jail, how do you change someone's life who's been in sin? How do you change someone's life who's, who's fallen to the bottom to the point where they've fallen into jail, where they've gotten to that point? And I know that there's some people that you can't touch. I know there's things that you can't change, that you, you can't undo. You can't spend enough time with somebody, and I've learned that recently. You can't spend enough time with somebody to unwind all of those things that have gone on in their life. But let me tell you who can't. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
It's a saving name. It's a healing name. It's a name that brings peace to your heart and to your soul. We're facing death. It's a name that resurrects. It brings you back from the dead. It's when you give the name of Jesus Christ. We, we come up with all kinds of things. We can reach out in this way. We can reach out in that way. We can do this and we can do that. But the one thing that you can do to really change someone's life is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And guess what? You're not the one changing their life. It's Jesus Christ that does the change. It's Jesus Christ that's with them in the dark of the night. It's Jesus Christ that's with them in the cell. It's Jesus Christ that's with them when they hit that decision point, that fork in the road. And they say, Lord, I know I don't need to go this way. But I want to real bad. Paul had that thorn in the flesh. He said, thrice I prayed for the Lord to remove it. We don't know what it was. Whether it was his infirmity, where he could had trouble walking, whether it was some besetting sin, we don't know what it was. But Paul said, thrice I asked him to remove it. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. But it's the person, our possession is the person, it's the name of Jesus Christ a healing name, a saving name. And it's not only our poverty, our possession, it's a power. I'll give you a quote here, the difference between the miracles of Christ and those of the apostles. They performed through Christ by virtue of his name and authority, but Jesus, that's not a quote, but Jesus was able to say, rise up and walk. When the apostles gave the gospel, they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So I just wanted to go over that briefly this morning. It's the power to change lives. And in each one of your lives, there's a testimony in Jesus Christ. We've been here long enough. I've given an altar call, and I've talked to you guys. We're not a large church to where I can guess at any moment Somebody coming in might not be saved. But I can tell you, and I'll tell you every Sunday, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're counting on anything else to get you into heaven, if you're relying on your own good works, if you say, well, I try to be good, I try to keep the commandments, well, do you ever told a lie? You've already broken it. It's like toothpaste in a tube. You squeeze it, you can't get the toothpaste back in. It's already broken. It's a mirror shattered on the floor. From the first time that you've broken God's commandments, you've sinned. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And I love to explain it like this because that verse in Romans 6.23 is a two-parter. Says the wages of sin is death. And you can go right there over to Revelation chapter 20 and you can see them all lined up at the judgment seat of God. You can see them all bowing before God because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There'll be that day and you can see that judgment day and see people lined up and say, Well, I tried to be good. I tried to do right. He said, You broke my law. Only the righteous can enter into heaven. Jesus told them when they. 
when they had the Pharisees for the example, he said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And they were the ones, if anybody was doing it right, they were the example to follow in those days. But Jesus saw them for the hypocrites they were. On the surface, they looked clean. On the surface, they did everything right. But inside were dead men's bones, he said. Inside there was sin. Inside their mind, inside their heart, they had already sinned against God. The Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. So the wages of sin is death. And there's that little word in there, but. And all through the Bible, but God, but God. This was going on, but God showed up. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for some people, that's a door, that's a chasm they will not cross. And how do you cross that? You place your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He said, no, no, I'll, I'll clean up, I'll do better. No, I'll just come just like you are. Because there'll never be a point where you'll be clean enough. How many promises have you made that you broke? How many times have you had good intentions and you fell short of them? That chasm, it's just a little word. And people have trouble crossing over that little word. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a gift that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was there with Jim yesterday. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord several years ago. And sometimes you wonder, did it take? Did he really accept Jesus? But I can tell you that even, even as he lays there and knows that he's toward the end, just here in the name of Jesus. I took him into John chapter 5, verse 24. I say this is a verse when I lead someone into the Lord. When they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, I'll read this to them. Brother David showed me this years ago when we went into the youth detention center together. I said, what do I show him? Because he just came forward to get saved. I said, what do I show him? He gave me some verses. He said, give him John 5.24. He won't remember this, but I never forgot. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. I said, did you hear the word? Did you hear what the preacher said? Did you hear about Jesus Christ? He said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. I said, that's possession. You have everlasting life according to the word of God when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord he says hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation that whole line of people every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord depart ye into the everlasting that's not for his saved that's not for those that have accepted his son because when he looks over at you all he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. Hiding behind the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work with this because it's translucent. 
Well, you stand behind this. And all your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that you go on sinning, God forbid. But it means that you have an assurance of spending an eternity in heaven with God. 